Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What is up? You are watching the fifth episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you're buzzed when we put out new videos. Not not that kind of buzzed. I'm talking like buzzed in your pocket with your phone. Get your head out of the gutter. One thing that's been on my mind is the dive. I was really excited when I had heard that they were bringing the dive back. And then I was a little bit disheartened as as it started coming out, the, the full breadth of how they're going to call this. Uh, and they're, they're working in a weird section, the imaginary section nonetheless, making it even more difficult for officials to call out front of the goal that, that kind of makes sure that the player doesn't dive towards the goal mouth. And if you end up in this area... At the end of your shot, they're going to determine that you were diving towards the goal mouth, and that's geared towards protecting the goalies. The problem is the whole idea with implementing the shot clock was to take a judgment call out of the officials' hands, and they do that. And I, and I think they got the shot clock rule right for the most part. At least we'll see, but I, I like what they implemented. With the dive, now they've you know simplified the shot clock part and just greatly complicated this whole dive thing. I think that it could have just been kept simpler at least for a year or two, no contact with the goalie, no contact with the goalie's lower half and then let the refs call it from there. Now we're adding in imaginary lines and then I hear some people talking about maybe they need to put the lines on the field. It's just way too complex. I'm I'm still glad it's there, so I'm not going to whine about that. It's going to make the game a little bit more exciting. It's going to help alleviate a little bit of the shot clock slowdown that we'll see. Teams that'll zone it up will have to account for a guy at X because of the shot clock or because of the dive rule. So there's all sorts of good things that are still going to come of this dive. I just feel like if the goal is to take a little bit more, a little bit off of the plates of the officials, because they're already having to keep up with an ever-changing sport, a sport that's speeding up. We have there's greater and greater athletes playing every year. So keeping things simplified for the officials, making in-game calls easier, it should be all should always be a priority. And I think with this, they they greatly overcomplicated something that didn't need to be. I think that in I know the spirit is to try to make sure the goalies don't get hurt. My fear is just that it's going to you know make the 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 officials' job a hell of a lot harder than it already was. U.S. lacrosse put out there way too early, top 25. I don't think it's way too early. I think it's completely appropriate to put it out at this time. As I, as I look at it, Virginia at number five, I think, that's, I think that's accurate. When you look at Virginia offensively, they've got Conrad coming back from his injury. They've got Dox Aiken at midfield as a junior. He's a beast. They have Ian Laviano at attack, sophomore. He's a, an excellent finisher and compliments the man, Michael Krause, junior at attack amazingly well. So UVA deserves this ranking. They're a solid team across the board, but offensively they are going to be scary and insanely hard to stop. And then we jump to number four, Cornell. I, I, Cornell's one of my favorites coming into this season to, to win it all. And I, I based that opinion uh, after I watched the Yale Cornell tape from the Ivy League finals, it was 
just the job that Cornell's defense did just, it was incredible team defense that they played. They were on almost every slide. Ben Reeves torched them, but they shot almost the entire Yale offense beyond Reeves down, only giving up three goals to a player not named Ben Reeves out of, I believe they gave up eight in that game. So after seeing the way their defense played and then seeing what they have come back, coming back offensively, they are going to be a scary team. Uh, coming out of the Ivy League. So I, I like that ranking of four, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, pop up into the three, two, one spot because they'll they'll win a bunch of games early, and I think that'll help their ranking. And then depending on how Yale puts it together and, and Duke, a couple of teams who have lost big cats where Duke losing uh, Gutterding and Yale losing Reeves, it'll be interesting to see how the early season goes for those teams. And then you have teams like Cornell and Virginia who, who come back fully loaded. I think that you'll, you'll see kind of a flip-flop of that top five. Uh, moving on, though, from four, Maryland at three. Maryland locks and loads every year. They got Bernhardt rocking the number one jersey, and he's fully deserving. They got uh, Bubba getting ready to rock also. So Maryland is going to be really tough for everybody to contend with. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see them playing on Memorial Day weekend. More specifically, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them playing on on Monday also. So Maryland, I think they got that right as well. I almost would have given Maryland my number two over Duke, simply because while Maryland loses a Connor Kelly, Duke loses a Gutterding, and I'm just not sure that, that those two things are equal. I think that I think that Maryland is a little bit more locked and loaded than Duke is on their side. And and then you got Duke and they like everybody else like the Marylands of the world, they they're they didn't even have to reload necessarily, but just come guys that they have coming back, Brad Smith, you have Manown, you have Lowry, you have Robertson all coming back. So that offense is is going to reel a little bit losing Gutterding and I think they'll struggle a little bit early as they just try to figure out who's going to become the man, because someone has to step up a little bit more than everybody else. So as they figure that out, they'll, they might drop one early like they tend to do. But the reality is that they have firepower all over the place. They got guys who can dodge. They have guys that can light it up from outside. So that's the perfect combination. Guys like Smith, you don't want to ever let him get his hands free. So Duke sitting pretty at number two, I'd, I'd agree with that pick. And then you have Yale at number one. And I, I had originally crapped a little bit on Yale thinking that maybe Cornell was going to have a really, really good shot at upending them in the Ivy. It's not that Cornell doesn't. It's just that the more I watched Yale, the more I realized that they grew around Ben Ben Reeves last year. Reeves was that team, but it, it was a team that by the season's end, a lot of the amazing things that you saw Reeves do in terms of putting points up through the playoffs it was he was benefiting from the players supporting him the way that a, a supporting cast is supposed to. Guys like Jackson Morrill running the two-man game at X with him. Guys like Jack Ty getting runs out top. Godette just being a, a sniper from the crease area when when needed. So the more I watched Yale, the more I realized Yale isn't they're not going to fall off that badly. I don't think they're going to hold that number one ranking all year. And I think they'll like Duke, they'll struggle a little bit in the beginning of the year as they try to find that identity. But let's not pretend like Jackson Morrill isn't the man. They've got a couple of really good recruits coming in. They've got guys like Jack Ty and Morrill to play off each other with Gaudette as a finisher in a crease. They are going to be fine. And I don't think they'll drop out of the top five to top seven throughout the year. And I think come playoff time, they have as good of a shot as any at, at ending up playing on, on Monday. The Olympics, we keep talking about the Olympics and 
I'm excited about the Olympics. I'm glad for the sport of lacrosse that it's going to be in the Olympics. What I'm not glad about is is the more inf- the more I hear about how this is all supposed to go down, the more I'm just worried about what the product's going to look like at the end of the day. One of the things I heard the other day was that the men and the women are going to have to play by the same rules. I don't think that really affects the men completely. I, I, I assume that just means they're going to make the women strap the pads on, which, may, you know, I don't think that the women are going to have a problem with that to a degree as long as they get to play in the Olympics. The other thing was they're trying to decrease the field sizes and decrease roster sizes. So when you start to look at all this, to me, it sounds like they really need to to play some sort of variation of the box game instead of trying to really water down and sissify the field game. Maybe it wouldn't be sissifying the field game, but I, I suspect if they're trying to find a happy medium between the men and the women's rules and things like that, it might involve a little bit of sissifying the game for the sake of the Olympics. I think if we're we're going with smaller field sizes, we're going to go with rules that both the men and women have to abide by, and then we're also going to have smaller rosters. It sounds like the box game would be perfect. You could end up with anywhere from 12 to 15-man rosters. You could play five uh, on a on a field the size of a box field without the boards. I suspect they're not going to want to you know use boards, so it would be some kind of rules around that where there's not boards, but they're going to play similar rules throughout. And I think that gives us the best chance to get a product that looks familiar to us, to get a product that is palatable to us and a product that will sell more importantly. Now, I know that that's not necessarily going to be a popular opinion because I know there's a lot of guys that are going to be a part of this that don't want to think negatively about it at all, but I'm not. I'm I'm going to be the guy that that has to watch it and 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 see what this product looks like at the end of the day from, you know, my couch. Uh, or, you know, for people who are lucky enough to go watch it. But either way, the fans are the ones that have to watch the game. So while I'm cool and I'm glad and whatever happens, happens, I'm not going to be all, you know, completely excited about watching it if if the what what ends up getting put on the field doesn't resemble what we've come to love between field lacrosse and box lacrosse. Another podcast that I'm excited to see pop up that I think you guys should be listening to, the Lacrosse Podcast. Uh, They started about the same time that we did, and they do a great job. So far, they've just been covering NLL, and I'm not a huge NLL guy, although I do have a subscription now, and I have been watching it a little bit. So I've I've been listening to them every week so far. I'm through the first four episodes of theirs. I think you guys should be giving them a listen also. So head on over. I believe it's Lax All Stars, but either way, if you just search in YouTube, The Lacrosse podcast you're going to see them you got two funny looking dudes bearded dudes and, and they're they're rocking out of the woodshop. <laughs>